today on CityCast Chicago. A little bit of news, y'all. It's the end of the week, and you know what that means. We're looking back on the stories we couldn't stop talking about, the over and under hype stories, and of course, some good news before you head into the weekend. Joining me is the one and only Brandon Pope. He is a reporter and anchor with TV station WCIU. It's Friday, July 23rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Well, Brandon, you ready to jump into it? Let's get it, bro. Our first category is top story, and I'm going to get us started off. This week, the city council voted 36 to 13 to create an elected board where Chicago residents will be able to oversee the Chicago Police Department. We've kind of shuffled back and forth between compromises between grassroots organizations. Then we saw the mayor bring in her ordinance proposal on how to move forward with Uh, sort of a civilian oversight board, which let's not let the listeners forget she ran on. But finally, on Wednesday, they sat down and they voted. And personally, I, like many Chicagoans, am skeptical. They will have authority. They will be able to make recommendations for policy. They can vote on policy. But ultimately, what the mayor was fighting for was to retain mayoral power. I feel like she, she accomplished that. Brandon, you've been following this story as well. How you feel about it? Honestly, it's long overdue. Um, I think the people have been wanting a voice for a long time. It's not a complete power to the people moment because the mayor is still going to make pivotal decisions about who the superintendent of police is and hiring and, and putting people in position. Those things are still going to be under the mayor's jurisdiction. So I'm excited. This is a great thing for the people, but I just wonder how much power are they really going to have to affect change? But overall, though, I mean, we're seeing a moment here where police accountability that's been promised since Laquan McDonald um, happened, we're finally getting glimmers of it, pieces of it. The the, the puzzle pieces are coming together. Um, even, you know, local school councils vote to uh, get rid of their police officers inside the schools and reallocate those resources to other um, other things. So uh, it's, it's an interesting time for Chicago, a city that has probably some of the most tense and unchecked police and community relations out there. This police board can go a long way in helping to bridge some of those divides. Making people feel like they have more of a voice, more of a say, like they're even close to the table. It's going to come down to, do they really? And are we going to see that impact in the streets? Or are people still going to feel like there is this disconnect between police and our communities? Did you have a top story this week that you've been paying attention to? I still have Chicago's violence on my mind and the senseless killings we see here in the streets. I just got back from um, doing a story over in Roseland, and uh, there's this great organization called Kids Off the Block with Diane Latiker, this this woman who makes it her mission to help kids and at-risk youths stay off the streets. And she has a a memorial in the back of her house with gravestones of all the children in that community who have lost their lives to gun violence. And that sadly continues to grow. 
Um, it's a garage full of stones. Um, these are kids that could have had a full life, but because of violence in their community, because of people doing stupid things and having no regard for human life, these kids lost theirs. Seeing that, and then you see the mass shootings we're having here in Chicago, three within six hours, one happening right near me as I was actually, I drove by the, the police scene in Lincoln Park at the gas station, uh, somebody was shooting up on a party bus. I believe it was a drive-by shooting somebody shot. They, they haven't released details, but they were shooting either people standing around or people who, I believe eight people were shot on the bus from, a, from somebody outside of it. It's just, it's wild. We have a crisis going on. We've been having a crisis. This has been a thing. And I'm seeing all this senseless killing every single day, every weekend. You don't even know if your friend or someone you know could be next. And that's not a way to live. The, the, the best way to solve this, obviously, is, is addressing the root causes. You know, that's poverty. That's the shutting down of mental health clinics. It's all these things that have just kind of led to this to this explosive keg of, of emotion and, and this wave of violence that spills in the streets. The dearth of resources, the systemic inequities, the, the crisis of empathy, all these things play together. And I'm grateful for the work that you do to continue to put a face to this crisis. Our next category, Brandon, is a story this week that maybe got too much attention, was overhyped. And let's just say you you didn't care for it that much. You didn't care that much. Oh, this one's easy. Jeff Bezos going to space. Yeah, people are talking about that from Texas to Chicago. <laughs> Billionaires taking their ass to space. Did he really go to space? Like, that, that's part of it. Like He went to the parking lot of space. Right. <laughs> he scratched the surface. You know, he went to the upper sky, right? It, 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 it was, you know, one of those things where you got this billionaire, right, who is using his money and resources to go to space, get into like a contest with Richard Branson, another billionaire, um, in a space race, when that money could go to so many other things, uh, especially the COVID crisis going on right now. Yeah. While Mackenzie Scott is giving out hundreds of millions of dollars on the daily basis, you, you got the nerve to sit there and say, I want to thank every Amazon worker, every... I've seen these Amazon drivers. They don't give a damn about you going to space, bro. They don't give a damn. We, we've had Amazon protests across Chicago over the last few months, if people have walked off of job sites, people have protested the growth of Amazon in places like McKinley Park. The overhyped story for me this week, Brandon, and I want to be very clear about this, was the continued coverage of Lollapalooza. Hmm. I want to be clear here because I do understand that between the Delta variant, the Lambda variant, the Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Z, right? We can keep going, right? Alpha, Phi, Alpha variant. I understand that the pandemic is ongoing. But the fact that it's become our barometer of what normal looks like in Chicago, that every time we want to talk about where we are in the pandemic to this point, that we reference Lollapalooza, it's a little bit annoying to me. As cases rise, um, as more people are hospitalized, as the disparities between black and brown and white communities continues to grow, I think is really unfortunate and it's provided a scapegoat for the city to spend more time talking about the logistics of Lollapalooza than the logistics of really getting past this pandemic full sale. Oh man, you put the nail on the head. I mean, it's a problem, man. And I, it's, I'm going to be, 
I'm going to be looking on. I won't be at Lollapalooza. That's for sure. I wouldn't be there regardless. We've kind of aged out of it. That's another reason why it's such a weird barometer is because for most of us, Lollapalooza was already overhyped. It was already the staple of overhyped music festivals in Chicago. And now mm. with the potential of being a, a super spreader event, something Stacey St. Clair said to me about the Tokyo Olympics, we're not going to know the true consequences of the Olympics or Lollapalooza until weeks, maybe a month after. And that's an even scarier part. We're not done just yet. Stick around. Okay, real quick. Invite one friend to sign up for the CityCast Chicago newsletter, and we will send you a curated list of the best Chicago summer activities. We call it our second half of summer bucket list. Get all the details at chicago.citycast.fm. Brandon, our next category, which we've been trying for the last couple of weeks, is a story that maybe didn't get enough hype. And and you kind of mentioned my story earlier, and so I want to bring some more attention to it, which I think is great, which is CPS voting on the future of police inside of their high schools. I think this is an extremely important story. I know a lot of people have been talking about this. Southside Weekly has been covering it, Chicago Tribune, but I think more people should know where we are in the process to adjust or address and adjust our relationship to police in schools. So for the last two years, CPS has been voting on this. I believe last year, 17 out of 72 schools opted to do something. But at the time, there wasn't a guarantee that they would reallocate those resources to you know, alternative safety programs. Whereas this year, that was the main focus. I believe if you voted to remove a police officer, you'd have $50,000 to give to another program. So this year... 24 schools voted to remove one of their offices, seven voted to take out both, and they're going to replace them with things like dean of restorative justice, cultural coordinators, maybe even, you know, security guards. While 20 schools kept their cops, I think us trying to reevaluate how we police schools across Chicago is such an important conversation. The youth activists have been asking for it for so long. We can reimagine what it looks like to have safety in a community. That's important for our city at large. Yeah, it's, your story kind of leads into my underhype story too. And that's what the city council approved. The Boys and Girls Club uh, that they approved is going to be built uh, right on the same campus as that police academy that was controversial. So this is, it's going to be a West Side facility, right? Police Training Academy, lots of money being fueled into it. So that was already controversial because people felt like you really should be using a lot of that money toward reopening some of these mental health clinics, um, other community resources to address violence in our communities and not funding police further who have cost city taxpayers millions of dollars from lawsuits due to police misconduct and police violence. And yet we're told we got to pay money for this $95 million police training academy. But now they want this Boys and Girls Club to be attached to a youth center in a sense. But, you know, people think that's inappropriate. And, you know, and I, I kind of do too, to have children kind of forced <laughs> into close proximity uh, with these cops. I think back to when I was a kid, playing basketball, having a good time, all that type of stuff, going to the Boys and Girls Club. It would, it would have been a different vibe if the Boys and Girls Club was attached to the police station or around the police area. It, it would have felt weird, 
we would have felt watched, right? We would have felt monitored. We would have felt like we couldn't be our free selves and, and really just let loose and have fun, which is what a boys and girls club is about. It's about having an outlet to be with your friends, have a good time, be safe, stay off the streets, all that type of stuff. But, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a place for fun and enjoyment. That fun kind of goes away if you got a bunch of police around you. <laughs> Bro, you got a gun on you. I don't want to see you shoot three-pointers. What you talking about? Let's, let's transition into my favorite part of almost every show is some good news to get you through. We, we can't send the people home on that note, Brandon. So I wanted to bring us back to moments of joy that we experienced this week. And I want to start with you. Is there a moment or a story that just brought you so much joy and good news this week? There are two, two in particular. Um, one, I think this NBA Finals, this NBA Finals was a joyful finals. I think that you had two great stories, two great narratives coming in, competing against each other. It felt like a Disney movie. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a guy who immigrated uh, from Nigeria to Greece, dealt with poverty, but got it out the mud, worked his ass off, built his body up, built his skills up. He's got su- got such a joyous uh, persona about him. And the the NBA Finals brought together two teams that, you know, I think really represent like a positive for the league. You got the Phoenix Suns, who had not been in the playoffs forever, led by a veteran and a young superstar in D-Book. Uh, but then you also got the Milwaukee Bucks, hour and a half away from Chicago, being led by like what you said is the star of a Disney movie. This man had never been to America. He wore a suit that was too small for him when he was drafted eight years ago. And, you know, I've had to hear nothing about, uh, nothing more than Giannis over the last five years because that's my mom's favorite player. She went up to Milwaukee (laughs) to watch one game and she was like, I love the freak. And so what Giannis represents, not only for the community of Milwaukee, for NBA basketball fans and for the league, but even for, for people like, you know, in Chicago's Greek town on the West side, feeling a connection to this man is, it was a beautiful moment of joy to watch those tears fall down his face as he thought about his late father. But you said you, you had a couple other ones. Well, so that was, that was one. And that one was probably my favorite of the week, seeing the joy from people. I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. And uh, so I, I remember what it's like to win a championship when you don't really expect to win a championship after years of ineptitude. So I understood how they felt. Brandon got just Midwest love pouring from his veins. Oh, it, it felt like, oh, yes, the Midwest. You know what the Midwest is, young and restless. We got that that chip on our shoulder, you know, so it felt good. Uh-huh. But the other one that I think people haven't talked about enough, city council, they didn't really talk about this at all. City council approved uh, and threw their support behind this new film studio in South Shore. Yeah, This is a huge initiative here. I mean, we're talking about a $60 million development, right? It's going to give so many jobs to different people in an area that needs it most. And having a film studio there, one, it helps South Shore totally and brings jobs. But also, Chicago overall is rising as a in the TV film production space. There's no reason why we can't be what Atlanta has built themselves into. It's a neighborhood, like you said, that 
not only needs, deserves, has been asking and begging. I hope and I pray that it moves through smoothly and that it actually serves. Amen. Amen. Brandon Pope is an anchor and reporter with WCIU and the new Chicago chapter president for the National Association of Black Journalists. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago today. And thank you so much for having me, man. Great conversation. And uh, hopefully I can come back sometime. Before I let you go, if you were listening to the podcast yesterday, you know we covered the Tokyo Olympics, and today are the opening ceremonies. That got me and my team thinking, what are our favorite Olympic sports? Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what you love tuning into? My favorite Olympic sport is swimming. I used to be a swimmer when I was younger, and I regret quitting. And to watch the Olympians glide through the water is a thing of beauty. Producer Simone Alisea is a little under the weather, but she told me she loves to watch curling in the winter. Producer Natalie Rivera. My favorite Olympic sport is actually a winter Olympic sport. It is figure skating. I love it so much that I actually, every now and then, will look up videos of Surya Bonnelly performing backflips. And newsletter writer Sydney Madden, what are you tuning into during these Olympics? Gymnastics. I actually did gymnastics when I was little and I was awful at it. So watching the Olympics, I get to kind of live out some type of athletic dream. Me, I got two. One, the 100 meter dash. It just blows my mind that people work years to run for like nine to 12 seconds. And also table tennis. Hey, don't sleep on it. It's probably the most competitive sport at the Olympics. I have to give a huge shout out to the people who make our music on CityCast. That's the amazing Sam Trump and the fantastic Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. Remember, for more Chicago stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. And while you're there, go ahead and take the audience survey. You could win a $100 Visa gift card. Now, of course, you know I ain't forget about you. As always, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. One take, Jake. One take, Jake. And if you delete the other take, it doesn't count.